Again. Again. Let's <laughs> all. Let's all sing another song. Let's stretch these summer nights out extra long. Let's set fire to a building we don't like. And watch the glow, enjoy the orange light. Cause we all are gonna die someday alone. Cause we all are gonna die someday alone. Howdy folks, welcome to the Garrett Schalke podcast. I am your host, your boy, Garrett Schalke. And today we're about a month away from it officially being spooky season. So we are going to start off with a bang. My guest today is the head honcho at the Anatomy of Death Museum, located in Mount Clemens, Michigan, which I had the pleasure of visiting a little over three weeks ago, where you can see a variety of items related to death, from caskets to embalming machines, and even artifacts from other cultures. And we're going to talk about it today. Folks, let's welcome Todd to, Todd, uh, oh wow, I screwed that up. Apologies, Todd. Todd LaRosa. Todd, thanks for coming on, dude. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, a uh, beautiful day out, huh? Uh, a little, 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 little hot over here, but uh, it's supposed to cool down, so uh, looking forward to that. Uh, makes you wish it was still raining, huh? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it rained earlier. It kind of uh, was fl- flooding the street in front of the museum. We almost had a Noah's Ark over here with a building full of bones. <laughs> oh, very nice. That would have added to a whole new dimension to uh, the Anatomy of Death Museum. Yeah, right, right. All right. Uh, I know that you are a busy gentleman, a lot to do, so let's get right on into it, shall we? Uh, let's can, do it. Yeah, can you... Uh, Tell us a bit about about your uh, general background, like where you grew up and what you did before the opening of the museum in 2019. Yeah, so uh, so basically, um, I grew up uh, in multiple multiple cities, um, but mainly um, northern east side Detroit, uh, Macomb County, you know, Warren, uh, Mount Clemens, East Point, stuff like that. Um, basically, at a very young age. I got into uh, working uh, at funeral homes. Uh, my first vehicle uh, was a hearse, a 1976 <laughs> Cadillac hearse. Really? And then, uh, yep. And uh, I started working and helping out uh, the local funeral homes with like cutting the grass and washing of the vehicles. And because I was someone who was kind of into like Halloween and haunted houses and stuff, I uh, decided to start start collecting, uh, you know, old deemed and dented caskets from the funeral homes and stuff. And, um, the collection just grew from there over time. Uh, I would say over 25 years of collecting, um, I've amassed probably the largest privately owned collection of, uh, funeral home items. Oh, very nice. Uh, by trade, you're an embalmer, correct? So I am in the funeral business. Um, I've uh, sat in on on embalmings. I've um, 
uh, worked for the crime scene cleanup industry. I've done uh, removals uh, from people's homes of, of their loved ones. Um, so I am not a licensed uh, embalmer or funeral director. Um, I kind of was going to go that route uh, in life. Uh, but the problem is with that is uh, there's a lot of schooling involved with it. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've always been a you know a young guy trying to make my way. And I just didn't have the money to go to school and be able to work. So I've just spent pretty much my whole life working. Uh, but I've worked with uh, numerous funeral homes and uh, funeral directors in the, in the business. Yeah, it kind of sounds like you were a uh, jack of all trades, you could say. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. All right, so uh, with all that in mind, when did you become interested in things related to death? Or, to you know, expand that question, things that are macabre or considered dark? Well, you know, I grew up very, very poor. Uh, I didn't have a lot of things growing up. Um, so as I, as I got older, I got a job. And uh, when I started making money, I started buying stuff. And like I said, um, growing up, my family's always been in into you know doing halloween displays outside um and then so you know people usually they they they, they're drawn to collect things from their childhood or growing up so um like i said i started collecting um you know funeral home items and stuff like that and uh it's just you know it's morphed into what i have now uh in the collection all right, and uh, what made you want to open up the NAMI Death Museum, as well so as I, well as well as the late to rest antiques and oddities shop? Yeah, so how it worked um, was uh, I, I've always had a big, large collection of items in my house at my, at my house, and I decided, um, you know, when I when I started collecting, I wanted to collect things that were different than other people. You know, a lot of people collect military stuff. They collect um, baseball cards, video games. I wanted to be different. I wanted a little bit more of a challenge. So I started looking for like more of the macabre stuff. And then um, doing that, I would come across, you know, doubles and triples of things that I already have. So I decided to fund my collecting. I would uh, sell things. So I opened up uh, in 2017. I opened up late to rest antiques and oddities. Um, and that was our first storefront, uh, mm-hmm. before we opened up the museum, we were there for about two and a half years and I've always had my collection of, um, real human medical skulls, skeletons and stuff. And that was at home. And I kept getting bothered by everybody saying we would, man, we want to come see it. We'll pay you to come see your collection. And I never wanted to bring anyone into my personal space. My <laughs> home. So a little basically, bit too personal. Yeah, so basically I decided, you know what, let me look for a warehouse. I can put my collection in it, open up a museum, and then locate the oddity shop in the front of the building. So in 2019, July of 2019, uh, we formed the Anatomy of Death Museum. Now, uh, this question I might not have to even ask, but I'm sure that in the past you have visited places like the Museum of, De- Museum of Death? Yeah, yeah. So I know J.D., the owner of the Museum of Death, uh, the one in uh, L.A. and the one in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, the location in New Orleans um, I visited a couple times. Um, just like 
just like all different things, um, his death museum, <clears throat> excuse me, is a little different than what I do. He's more of like serial killer, uh, true crime uh, videos. Uh, at my death museum, we kind of stem more of the human anatomy and the funeral industry um, items. Yeah, uh, I visited the Museum of Death twice when I visited New Orleans. Two times, not twice in the same day. And, uh, yeah, and you, and you can see how we're both catered to the death industry, but just our own little different take on, on it. Well, there is one big difference, and kudos to you, good sir. You allow pictures to be taken. You can- yeah, yeah, you know, um, we, we're in this uh, new age of social media, um, so I basically do very little advertising. A lot of it's just word of mouth. We get a lot of people that come in, and uh, what they do is they take photos and videos of being inside the museum, and the first thing they do is share it on their Instagram or Facebook. And what happens is other people see uh, what we're about, and it gets more people to come into our place. Um, You know, some places they don't allow photos and videos, which is understandable. Um, But I basically um, do it to where it's like free advertising for me. Uh, I let everyone take photos and videos, and they post it all over the Internet. And, um, you know, people still come by the droves. Now, uh, I mentioned in the intro that some of the items that can be found in the museum. But can you go into further detail of what the museum displays, as well as what you sell in the shop? Yeah, so um, up front in the oddity shop, we sell taxidermy, metaphysical items, uh, funeral home-related items, embalming machines, embalming bottles. Uh, we sell uh, animal skulls. Uh, we do on occasion have real human medical skulls uh, for sale, T-shirts. Uh, in the museum is more of a funeral slash uh, anatomy uh, collection. So a lot of our a lot of our items, um, the, the medical skulls and skeletons come from like retired doctors, retired dentists, uh, shut down medical schools. Um, you know, over the years they've they've used a lot of the stuff in the practices of anatomy schools. And uh, it's no longer needed now because a lot of the stuff, practicing items, are made of plastic. So we'll get get people that come into the museum wanting to sell us a medical skull that used to belong to their grandpa who was a dentist. And he used used the skull for dental school. So um, it's kind of, um, yeah, it's kind of a way to still honor these people who donated themselves for the teaching uh, profession because um, in our museum... People are still able to come, look at, and learn um, about certain deformities, diseases, uh, certain parts of the anatomy of, of the, the makeup of the body. All right. Well, uh, I guess that answers part of the part of this next question. But uh, how do you usually go about acquiring these items? Yeah. So we um, we get stuff that basically uh, gets brought in. Uh, like I said. Um, you know, someone's grandpa was a was a dentist or a doctor, and you know the the, the person has you know long since uh, passed away, and the family has a lot of teaching models, which um, you know uh, does involve a lot of uh, medical, real human medical skulls. So we buy a lot of stuff from the public. Uh, we've bought in stuff um, from uh, other collectors. Um, 
some some anatomy schools back in the day uh, sold their collections off. So, you know, it's just it all comes in. Uh, there's been times I've found stuff at estate sales. Uh, you know, doctors, a doctor passes away and his studying collection consisted of a, a couple of real human skulls. And, <laughs> you know, we uh, we go down and buy them. Wow, that must be one hell of a sale right there. You know, you got your clothes, you got your cars, uh, human remains. Got that too. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's um, uh, human remains are legal to possess, uh, sell, and buy, um, as long as they're not Native American, and also as long as. Um, anything isn't transplantable, fresh enough to be transplantable. There are a couple states, Georgia, uh, New York, uh, Louisiana. Some states restrict um, the buying and selling of, uh, of human uh, remains. Um, but here in where, where we're at in Michigan, it's totally legal to buy, sell, trade, and anything that is of medical grade. Now that's pure Michigan, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, do you have any a items in the museum that are personal favorites? You said how many items? Yeah, no. Uh, do you have any items in the museum that you consider personal personal favorites? Yeah, you know, I like, I like uh, the, we have a couple of horse-drawn hearses uh, on display in, uh, inside the collection, which, which are my favorite. Um, when it comes to embalming, I love embalming fluid bottles, kits, tables, you know, the history and practice of embalming. So, yeah, I would say the, the, the funeral side of the collection is probably my favorite. All right. We, uh, we just talked about legality. Le- uh, sorry. We talked about legality here in, here in uh, Michigan, you know, being the big free state that we are. So, uh, I, was, so I was wondering, uh, what are your personal standards or morals when it comes to purchasing or displaying items? Like, yeah, do, so do you, so do, with the collection, sorry. yeah, with the collection, um, you won't find us uh, putting you know um, fake blood on skulls and setting them up with like fake spider webs and stuff like that. You know, everything is displayed correctly, like it would be at a um, you know uh, some kind of local or national museum. Um, I don't really deal with child stuff if I don't have to, but. Uh, child's uh, skulls and stuff like that, I can understand why some people do, uh, because it teaches us about uh, the importance of vaccines, uh, because, you know, back in the day, a lot of children uh, would pass away uh, from uh, just the simplest of a flu or polio. So, you know, the importance of these items, um, you know, that, that get put on display is, uh, you got you to show it a, a little respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, has there ever been any problems related to that when the museum opened from, like, other customers or sellers or buyers? No, no. You know, we get all walks of life into the museum, um, all types of people um, that come in, uh, all different types of backgrounds. A lot of people actually leave the museum, um, you know, feeling a little bit better about themselves, knowing about certain things in the funeral home industry or um you know we have a lot of uh bones that show diseases and deformities and someone might have that disease or deformity and be able to see it up close in person so yeah we've we've had a pretty good response from the community of what what we do all right and uh like i said i was in there about 
I think a little over three weeks ago. I uh, yeah. very, very much enjoyed my visit. I uh, also enjoyed how in the museum, how you uh, had dark ambient music playing. And from, yeah. and from the shop, you had uh, new metal playing. I very much appreciate that, being a new metal fan that I am. <laughs> and uh, throughout, throughout my uh, tour, uh, my personal favorite artifacts that I saw throughout it were uh, items related to the Oddfellows. And uh, yeah, there's a lot in there. Yeah, so the Odd Fellows is just another fraternity of men, kind of like the Freemasons, Knights of Columbus. Um, the Odd Fellows, uh, I, and I encourage anyone to go look them up. Um, they are one of the oldest, if not older, than the Freemasons uh, here in the United States. Really, um, older but, than yeah, the Freemasons? But, yeah, well, here in the United States. Uh, um, oh, okay, because I know yeah. the Freemasons are ancient. Yeah, so the the the, the uh, the Oddfellows, I think, were like the first to establish a legal charter here in the United States, you know, registered with, uh, you know, the government um, as an organization. But basically, the Oddfellows, um, back in the day, uh, they would um, build cemeteries and, you know, they would bury working uh, people for free. Uh, they were like pro-union before there were unions, if that makes sense. So, you know, oh, they were really? another charitable, yeah, another charitable organization that would go around helping people. And um, the reason I like them is because they used a lot of skulls and crossbones in their symbolism to remind their members of their own mortality, stating that one day you will die and you might want to do good in your, in your life so that you get into heaven. So they used the skulls and crossbones as symbolism to remind their members of their mortality. Yeah, I do think they should uh, probably check their booking, though, because uh, one of the artifacts in there that I read was, like, a casket and a, uh, skull, a skeleton from the 1980s that was just found at some Oddfellows Lodge that shut down. Yeah, so so one of the rituals that the Oddfellows would perform, and I believe this, this the skeleton and coffin you saw was from the 1880s, um, and basically what, what they would do is they would have a real human medical skeleton inside of an old coffin and it would be hidden amongst a hidden trap door somewhere and all the members would know about it. But if there was a new inductee that was coming into the organization, what they would do is they would blindfold that new member and that's where the term hoodwinked came from. And then what the members would do is they would take the coffin with the skeleton out from the trap door and they would bring it into the room. And then they would allow the new member to walk into the room and they would place the new member at the foot end of the coffin and they would take the lid off. And the member would be blindfolded and not know what's going on. And when they would take the, uh, the blindfold, uh, the goggles off of the new member, the new member would be peering down into a coffin with a real human skeleton. And then out loud, uh, it would be read that um, as you look into this coffin, you will one time be this person, meaning that one time in your life, you are immortal, you will die. And they would tell that member, you want to do good with your life before you die, so you make it into heaven. So that was the whole thing with, with the skeletons. And what happens was, since these skeletons and coffins were, you know, behind trap doors, under stages and in walls, 
when the Odd Fellows started losing membership in the 1960s and 70s, they started selling off their properties. And when these properties were sold off, the new owners of the building would not know that there's coffins and, and <laughs> skeletons possibly under the stage and in the walls. And So the Odd Fellows, the, like, forgot forgot they were there or something? Well, you know, the loss of membership, uh, the national organization would probably put a property up for sale, and they would probably remove, would remove most of the stuff from the lodge. But, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, the, <laughs> if a lot of the members quit or passed away, how would they know where that coffin with skeleton would be hidden? And sometimes they weren't able to find them. Oh, man. Imagine if they left that as a prank for the new owner. You know, could have. You know, the Oddfellows, <laughs> they, that's why they're called the Odd Fellows. They were a little odd. Yeah, so uh, any idea if they still do these rituals to this day? So... Back in the day, you'll find two sorts of skeletons. You'll find ones made of paper mache, and then you'll find real skeletons. The paper mache skeletons were used if the lodge, the local lodge, could not obtain a real human medical skeleton. Mm -hmm. um, but I think now when they do the rituals, they're used with paper mache or fake skeletons. Ah, oh, man, that is... That's kind of lame in comparison, you know, especially yeah, if you, you hear know, so much about them. Yeah, you know, some uh, some people are, are, are too afraid to, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, do things that others might frown upon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, what has the reception of the museum been in Mount Clemens? You know, uh, we're probably one of Mount Clemens' biggest attractions. Uh, we do two to four hundred people a week out of the museum. Uh, I know of a lot of the local restaurants and uh, bars and stuff. We get a lot of people that come in out of town from Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Canada. And when they're done visiting our place, we direct them to the local eatery or somewhere to go get something to drink. Um, so a lot of the community has benefited uh, from our local customers coming in. All right, Todd, uh, final question and uh I'll let you go since I know that you're a busy person. Uh, what are your future plans for the museum? Any uh, particular items that you are seeking to acquire? Well, I mean, we, we pretty much have all the main items that we would that we would want. Uh, the main the main part of the museum is uh, because you know when COVID came about, it raised the prices on a lot of buildings. Mm -hmm. um, so our goal eventually is to move into a very much larger building. And to maybe do a year-round haunted house with a year-round death museum and oddity shop. Uh, and, you know, just a, a place to do spooky events. Huh. Uh, how about you? Uh, any plans or projects outside of the museum? Yeah, uh, not to die. <laughs> so, uh, you know, my plan is to, you know, stay living and not get dead. Excellent, so that's, that's excellent my main plan. You know... A fail-safe plan. I can't imagine anything better. <laughs> All right, Todd. Uh, this was uh, this conversation, like life, was short and sweet, or yeah, well, short, uh, short know, and bittersweet. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people in life, it's, it, life is always too short. But for some people, it ain't as sweet as others. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, 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 if I'm going to leave everyone with a takeaway of our museum, the one thing I like to teach people is uh, life is short. Um, 
life is not always fair, um, but the number one thing in life is to treat others with respect, uh, to help out in your community with people, um, and to um, basically, when you look at a human skull, uh, you can't tell from the get-go from looking at the skull. You can't tell who's black or white, gay or straight, uh, a Christian or an atheist. Uh, we pretty much all look the same underneath, and we all die. So all this hatred and division uh, that we have going on in life, is, it's, it's all bullcrap. You know what I'm saying? Um, no. We all look the same underneath, and we all die. So, you know, the thing with our museum, we teach people life is short. Um, get along with others, respect others' opinions and the ways of life and the way they like to live their life. And, uh, you know, um, don't look as life, don't look at death as so serious because death is a release for some people. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Well, I think we can agree that if there is one thing that can unite everyone in the world, it's the, it's the specter of death. Exactly. All right. Wow. Uh, joking aside, Todd, uh, thank you for taking the time to come on and talk with me today. Again, I realize you're busy, and I'm very happy you took the time to talk to me. Yep, yep. And, now, uh, now, is the check, check going to be in the mail, or are uh, you just going to deliver it to me in person? Oh, check. You sure, <laughs> sure you don't want Bitcoin? You know what? I'll take some Bitcoin or some human, some human bones. <laughs> well, I'm sure I have an NFT or two I can get <laughs> yeah, to right, you. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, well, but, man, it was, a, it was a great interview. I appreciate you having us on. And uh, maybe we can do a round two later when I get a little less busy and we can maybe focus on one uh, topic or discussion like tribal skulls or skulls of, you know, Buddhist monks or whatever. So. Oh, yeah, that would be excellent. But, uh, folks, I can't, I can't recommend enough the, the, anatomy, of, the anatomy Museum in uh, Mount Clemens, Michigan. Check it out. And uh, Todd, this is the part where we do some promo stuff. So uh, how can people reach you? How can they reach the museum? All that. Yeah, uh, so we're, we are the Anatomy of Death Museum. We are located at 292 Cass Avenue uh, here in the great city of Mount Clemens, Michigan. Um, our phone number is 586-935-2159. Uh, we are open Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, we're open fr uh, Wednesday through Saturday from noon till 6 p.m. And on Sunday, we're open from noon to 5. Uh, no appointments necessary. Uh, we are on um, Google. We do have a website uh, linked to our Google page. You can check that out. And, um, yeah, if anyone has any questions, they can reach us out to us on Instagram. We are Death Museum on Instagram or the Anatomy of Death Museum on Facebook. All right. And uh, that will be all in the show notes. Folks, uh, thank you for listening. You know where to find me. I'm still on the usual socials, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr. But uh, exciting news, I have a side podcast that I do now called A Ride of My Own, where I play and talk about my favorite folk punk, anti-folk, indie folk, bands and songs. It's really nice. I'm getting my radio slash NPR voice on. You know, it's a fun time. Third episode will probably be out next week. Okay, Todd, uh, again, it was great talking to you, dude. And, uh, yep. I Thanks for supporting us. Yep, and I totally plan on visiting the museum again soon in the near future. Yep, not a problem, buddy. You have a good day, and thanks for your listeners. And uh, if anyone has any questions, reach out to us. 
All right. Thanks, dude. And uh, thank, thank you. Take care, buddy. Yep. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Here is the outro song.